Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. My name is Kevin Page, and I will be your host. Today we will be discussing the importance of discipleship in a youth program. Uh, we have with us today Cody Pendergrass. He is the youth pastor at Shiloh Baptist Church in Ocoee, Tennessee. Cody, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, Cody, share with me a little bit about your family, about yourself. Uh, my family is absolutely amazing. Honestly, um, I feel like I could not do it. You know, I guess everyone says that you can't do it without your family, but I, I think I can be a true testament. I don't think I could do this without my family. Um, you know, first, I do got to give a big shout out to both my parents and my in-laws um, who have both been so supportive of, you know, the things that my wife, we, my wife and I feel like, you know, we've been called to do uh, whenever, whenever, when we went over to seminary in North Carolina, you know, because we got married in Cleveland, went to seminary, you know, they didn't pitch a fit. They didn't complain. They just prayed for us. They loved us. Uh, every time they come to visit, you know, it was just showering us with blessings, taking us out to eat, uh, just loving on us. And uh, now being back, you know, around home again, of course, you know, you got the challenges of being back around the grandparents, the in-laws, you bring kids into the mix. But um, just throughout uh, the ministry here uh, in Ocoee, where we've been in, they have been supportive and loving. They've been helping us. uh, Child care. Um, I mean, we we don't have to reach out to anybody else for child care. It's just we got our parents and uh, chomping at the bit. So they're absolutely amazing, supportive, generous people. Yeah. You have how many kids? I've got two kids. Awesome. I got a, um, and I guess you know, we'll get into my family. Um, my oldest daughter, Ellie, she's four mm. and she's, oh, she's so smart. Absolutely amazing, beautiful little girl. Uh, she knows nine verses. Wow. Memorized. Awesome. She nails them every time. She's praying by herself. We've got a prayer wall up in our room and she prays. Mm. She prays without even me prompting her. Mm. Her grandparents have told me that, you know, just the way she prays, it just humbles them. Um, she's, she's a light. And actually that's kind of fun. Uh, my daughter's, uh, the oldest one is Ellie mm-hmm. and my youngest one, she's three months old, about to be three months. She's uh, Nora. But we found out later they're actually derived from the same name, Eleanor. Oh, yeah. And the name itself means light. And both my daughters have these big, bright blue eyes and yeah. they just have the biggest smile. And then I cannot forget to talk about my wife. Yeah. She is a lioness. <laughs> she is fierce. She is strong. She is she is honestly one of my heroes. Yeah. The way that she just, uh, her honesty, the wisdom that she displays. I mean, uh, she humbles me. It's like, why am I doing this? Why am I? You're the one that should be up here preaching and yeah. doing all the ministry. I mean, I feel like I'm just the, the guy up here just goofing and dancing. And everyone's <laughs> having a good time. But it's just, I mean, she she's my nut. She is my number one supporter. Yeah. She has my back. She would fight my battles a lot more ferociously than I would. But And I've always loved it. She is particular about me. Yeah. And I think that's what just that has me so overwhelmed in love with her is that, you know, she's particular about me. She wants me. She, yeah. She's sick. She wants me there. Um, you know, if she wants to go see a new, new movie, she wants me there. She wants, you know, of course, her girlfriend time. But I feel so loved by my wife. Uh, just that I know she particularly out of everybody else in this world, yeah. she just she wants to be with me. And, and just to have that support in your ministry, mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, we, we desperately need that. Uh, you know, we, we have such a huge task that God's given us, and we need that. Our wife right there with us every way. Oh, yeah, especially when you say something stupid, they're, they're just like, oh, <laughs> Lord Jesus, please heal me. Hey, I understand that, definitely, yeah. Well, share me a little bit about your ministry uh, and uh, about how long you've been at, at Shiloh. And, and I'd like to know a little bit why, uh, how God called you into youth ministry. My story goes, I was not looking to be a pastor. Uh, I grew up since I was five years old. I wanted to be in, I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be FBI. I was, you know, wanting to go military, all this jazz. So um, throughout high school, I was heavily involved in ROTC. I actually rose to the rank of battalion commander. I mean, highest. Yeah. Um, I received scholarships from ROTC from Tennessee Tech, a three-year ROTC, one-year academic scholarship. Wow. So I thought I had my life set. Uh, but within the first year of my semester over at Tennessee Tech, I had a 1.8 GPA. I was just strung up on sin, on just having a hard time adjusting, being away from home. Yeah. And the adjustment just wasn't working. I wasn't disciplined in my studies. And um, I had one of my um, officers, you know, they basically told me, you know, you've got two options. You either enlist or get out. Mm. I had, because of that one-year academic scholarship, I, I got out. Yeah. I was able to leave and just head hung low. I mean, I hadn't been in, I mean, I had been in church all my life. My parents were always good about keeping us in church, but it's just, I never saw a point in it. I mean, I knew it's not what I wanted to do. I mean, I just felt a relationship with God was just, you know, you know, Sunday lip service. But uh, that summer that I came home, head hung down, have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Cause I mean, that was a dream forever. I had uh, the youth minister at my home church that I'd grown up, grown up with him. I mean, when I was a kid and he was probably in his 20s or 30s. And if, you know, you're hearing this, Barth, sorry, I just gave your age away. Um, <laughs> he uh, he invited me to, on a youth trip and he said, I need a chaperone. And I mean, just thinking about the stuff I've done and, you know, all my sins, I'm like, okay, you don't have the best judge of character, do yeah. you? But then he said beach. And I mean, I was a 19, uh, 19 year old. So you say beach, we're good. Right. Uh, but it was at that point I got to um, teach the Bible for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's like I fell in love. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I was overwhelmed. And uh, the pastor of the church actually came and, you know, I, he's still one of my mentors. And he told me that, you know, he really encouraged me. He pulled me out. He said, you know, I don't know exactly what God's got in store for you. But he said, I do believe this is what you've been called to do mm-hmm. is to teach, to maybe even preach. And that got me going. Uh, you know, UTC accepted me again. I don't think they're the best judge of character because yeah. 1.8 GPA, but they yeah. accepted me. I think I had it back up by then. But they accepted me. I got involved with the Baptist Collegiate Ministry at the um, UTC, and it was a phenomenal ministry that got me involved in serving and, you know, getting the name of Jesus out there. That summer, my brother gave me my guitar that I still play. I've been playing it since 2005, yeah. and the same guitar still works. And so I've uh, involved with that ministry the following summer. Uh, I was asked to go back on another youth trip with the same church, and it was then that I accepted the call to the ministry. I'm like, if I get to do this for the rest of my life, I, I, I just don't think it's real. Yeah, I mean, this is just too much fun. Wow. So leading into that, I I took several, um, you know, a few different part-time. I uh, was bivocation for the longest time. I would work, have like a job, I've worked Cracker Barrel I've, um, for the longest time, and then I would work part-time churches, be involved in ministry in other places. And um, after I got married— you know, I had already graduated college and I had started going to Tennessee Temple. But, you know, my brother was going to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, my brother's one of my heroes. You know, he's a 
Uh, he loves the Bible. He loves teaching it. He loves Jesus. He is just he's an, he's one of those easy students. Yeah. He doesn't have to open the book. Doesn't have to take a single note. And he can ace a test. Where yeah. I'm sitting there scrambling to write every single thing down. Yeah, we took a class together, and it was just. He, he made an A in the class. I made a B in the class, and he had never taken one note. Oh, wow. I was like, man, if you weren't bigger than me, I'd let you out. <laughs> but he is. He's one of my heroes. He's always been supportive of me, loving me. He's been an example to me. Um, but he went to Southeastern, and I was yeah. like, you know what? I think I want to go. Yeah. And we went. I just graduated. And uh, while over in North Carolina, because you know, I did the rest of it online, uh, we my wife and I knew we wanted to start a family. And I did not feel like we could start a family and me still working part-time church, part-time Cracker Bro. And so I was contemplating getting out. Then I got a call from a pastor I knew uh, from Shiloh, and he said, there's a possibility of a full-time thing here. Why don't you start praying about it? We did. We kept praying, and before even December, we knew, okay, God's calling us back. So coming back to Shiloh, where I'm serving now, Shiloh is an amazing, loving church. They've been so supportive of the youth. Um, any endeavor or anything I want to try, this church just, you know, just go for it. My pastor's been so encouraging, and uh, he's he's one of these guys. He's like, why don't you just try it? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does work, do it again or do something else. Yeah. Well, share with us a little bit about your passion for ministry. Um, of course, it's changed over time. Uh, I think one of the words that best describes me is uh, hopefully fun, and I, uh, we use it a lot within ministry, just the ways to have fun, to interact with them. I feel like my wheelhouse area is like middle schoolers, and um, you know, I'm still actually able to get out there, run with them, play with them, and hang out with them. And um, that's just such a crucial age uh, because it's at that point where they are really discovering their identity. And if we ministers are not there to offer them the identity that they have in Christ by knowing Jesus to be their Savior and their Lord and what it means to be a child of God, then they're going to take their identity at these other places where it's just freely offered, you know, through the Internet, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, whatever the world's pushing right now. And so one of my passions is that middle school area, just to be intentional with them, to love them, to talk to them, to hang out with them. I, you know, I go to their school once a week yeah. and work through FCA. I want them to see me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm a big superhero nut. And so I hope that I come across as that uh, hero figure for them that's, you know, able to say, I'm here for you. Because when I was a kid, I always wanted that, like the, the guy who comes to the school to point me out, not embarrass me, but just say I'm with them. Right. You know, I do love these kids, but the other side of the my passion for the ministry is discipleship, mm-hmm. is to not just, you know, teach them a few things and then kind of grow when they graduate. All right, you know, have a nice day. It's uh, to take them from the starting sixth grade position and to bring them up, uh, walking with them the whole time, to guide them in the Bible. Uh, you know, our church, again, so amazing. Um, they went out and they bought all of these uh, ESV student study Bibles, you know, after, you know, I explained what I wanted to do and they said, yeah, let's just do it. And so we did it. And so every student that comes into our ministry, we make sure they have this Bible. And the reason for it is, I mean, I'm not trying to say one translation is better than the other, but that they all have this Bible. Okay, now let me teach you about commentary. Let me teach you about cross-referencing. Let me teach you about the concordance. Um, Let me actually teach you how to use this book. You have a question. Let me show you how to find the answer. And so, I mean, we put that in them at an early age. I mean, the first thing I do with my young ones is a lesson called Bible 101, Mm -hmm. where it goes through the entire structure of the Bible, the history, who all wrote it. You know, and we do that like for my middle schoolers. I do that every year that they're in middle school. So they get this information. And so that when they're in high school, 
uh, if they've come with me this far, then I can move them on to some deeper, harder truths. And with high schoolers, it's more about the one-on-one. Um, so we do something at our church right now that's been really awesome. It's called a high school book club. But once a month, we'll get together and we'll pick a book and we'll do a chapter a month. I mean, it takes us forever to do, but the discussion that comes from them being in my home, mm-hmm. drinking coffee, having pizza, and just talking. I mean, we've seen such growth from that. So discipleship, definitely just getting down, you know, getting dirty with them and, you know, loving on them and guiding them and being honest with them that I don't know everything. Right. But I can share with you everything I do know and everything that I have experienced. And I guess to me, if I could encourage any minister, it would be do not shy away from your mistakes. Hmm. Let them know your mistakes, but let them know how Jesus pulled you from them. Right. I know that all the youth are are faced with me challenges today. Now, you're pouring yourself and discipleship into your youth. Is that making an impact? Is it is it a, a way for them to overcome the challenges they're facing every day? It gives them a resource. Uh, they're bombarded every day with this just junk from the world, whatever's popular, whatever's trending. And a lot of times I think students feel like they don't have anywhere they can turn. Yeah. And sadly, the way Satan has attacked the family, um, he has made it to where a lot of these teenagers, they don't feel safe to ask these questions to their parents. They may actually come from an amazing family who's kept them in church, but it's just the way that Satan is attacking the family. He is causing so much uncertainty and fear within the students that they fear they're going to be judged or rejected or condemned, and it really isn't true. And so what I, I like to try to do is I try to be that resource for them so that when they do encounter those things, not only can I help them and give them the biblical guidance mm-hmm. yeah, through some of these hard topics that it's just what are we supposed to do, how are we right. supposed to have answers, but then also try to push them back to their parents. And that's another thing, hopefully a passion within the ministry at Shiloh, is that we really focus on the family. Right. The biggest victories we have at our church is when a family joins the church. Not just an individual, not just a parent, not just, you know, I mean, of course we celebrate that, but when the entire family comes in and says, we want to be a part of this ministry, we want to glorify God through this church, big victories for us. Yeah. Now, have you found that, uh, have you brought some families in because you have youth uh, in your youth group that began to grow and their families thought, we need to be a part of this and be at that church too. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we've had here recently, um, even we've had a nice influx of some new families that have come in, some young families. It was fun whenever I came, uh, whenever my wife and I came to the church, some others, young families came and uh, at the same time. And when we had my first daughter uh, shortly after, like within a year of coming to the church, there were uh, three other families mm-hmm. that had little girls as well. And um, I saw it as a sign of like new life in sure. this church because, I mean, the nursery was packed yeah. and the youth were real small. It was about six when I came. I mean, the church, yeah, every church goes through hard times and this church was ready for healing and I mean, I still don't feel qualified ever to be that person. I mean, I still, of course, don't feel like I am qualified, but I've always been an advocate that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And if I do feel this calling on my life to step in and serve, then, you know, I just try to be a resource. Well, in talking about youth, I know that the Okoe area is kind of a rural area, but there's a uniqueness about it because it's kind of like a tourist area as well, isn't it? It is. Because of the Okoe River. Mm Mm-hmm. And the uh, for, national forest. So, what does that does that bring? Other challenges that youth are facing because it's a rural area. It's just you know you have people from outside coming in and out. Does that challenge them? 
Uh, a little bit. Uh, although Okoe is a pretty touristy area, um, because I think uh, for anybody who has actually wanted to come down uh, to the river and maybe spend some time on the lake or something like that, with uh, the tourist influence of the area, it does give us that opportunity to uh, have many areas where we can reach out. But some of the biggest struggles within Polk County, not necessarily touristy, but you know, it being rural, you know, we do have a lot more areas where it might be, um, you know, maybe a little harder, uh, low income. Um, there, of course, there's some drug issues everywhere. Um, so aside from the tourist spot being rural, you know, it gives us a, a little bit more of a wider area of places to go. Yeah. And I would say that's uh, something interesting about being in a rural area is you have less people coming necessarily to the church, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more opportunities to go. You know, because, well, I mean, we don't have to go that far right. to see these families or to get to know these people. And the good thing about it being small is, you know, if the church and we have, we get out there and try to do a few things, the church is able to gain a reputation and then people have heard of you. And I feel like in a bigger area, maybe it's it's a little harder for people to have heard of you. Mm-hmm. But if they get this spot where they've heard of you, they might be more inclined to either accept help or accept some information. Right. So now, what do you find that uh, is a, is challenging for you as you're trying to do ministry and reaching the youth, uh, as well as ex- you, you do you do other have other duties besides youth mm-hmm. and middle school? But uh, what's so challenging? What is the most challenging thing that you face in doing that? I think the most challenging thing right now has been with. Um, my high schoolers and it's just the world I mean every day this world just seems to go counter Bible and they are jammed into these schools where it's almost just like the funnel of all of the uh, what's going on with the movie stars what's going on politics everything's just funneled and jumbled into high schools and many of them just really don't know how to process the information it's too much and so their biggest struggle in trying to find their identity you know especially within the high school still trying to find their identity there's too many wrong options. And the church, sadly, it's not as vocal uh, within you know some of these public schools as they need to be or that they can be. Because since the world is going away from the church and going away from the gospel, then also the public schools being under the domain of the world are also taking away a lot of these opportunities. Now, Polk County, we have been beyond blessed. Yeah because I've got a great relationship with both the Polk County High School and the Chihuahua Middle School principals, you know, amazing Christian people. And they have just given me every opportunity in the world to come in and to love on these kids. And um, and that way we can get in there where they are and where they're getting hit with these world things right. and give them the perspective of the Bible to sh- tell them that you're not alone, that Jesus loves you. you know, he cares about you, though your family may be hurting or though your family may not even care. Jesus has always loved you. Right. I know since in a rural area, I know you come in contact with uh, other youth ministries, and I think you probably have a good idea where youth are going. But what do you see that's really trending maybe within youth ministry or within the church? Between like, you know, where I am and maybe where a city is, it really is just like night and day. What may be popular in one area works for them, uh, but rural area is interesting because it really is you get a lot big, a lot more of a mix between traditional people and more contemporary people and using the example of music there are a lot more younger people who still enjoy the old classics of music 
And it's interesting, you know, because if you just go right down the road to Cleveland, then it's just all contemporary. You know, we want this new stuff. Right. But we've got a really cool, unique opportunity to see the church truly blended. Mm. And I think within the rural church, we have a great opportunity to even see the generations become truly blended right. because it is very family oriented. It is very close knit. And so something I've even seen as part of our church is that we have such an opportunity for the youth to still be so influenced by the generation before. Yeah. So what I'm hoping is trending right now within the youth ministry is a reunion with the senior ministry. Yeah. So that, you know, we can also impress upon these students the wisdom and the treasure of the stories that, uh, you know, some of these older uh, Christians have, uh, that they have, you know, because they've seen it, they've lived it, they've gone through it, they've seen this world and such harsh struggles, they've seen the outcome so many times. Right. And, you know, they can, the youth need to understand that they can be affected still by those stories the same way that our older generation needs to understand they can still be of service, though they may be physically failing, though they may you know, have a lot of health issues, there is still such amazing opportunity for them to pour. Right. And these students, they, they really do. The ones that we have in the rural communities, I mean, they got grandparents, they got all this that it's like, you know, they're so close with still that. So they're willing to be poured into. And I think our seniors are willing to pour. But what I'm hoping that what's trending right now is the reunion of the two so that that can happen. Well, what is your, as a a youth pastor, what are the biggest challenges that you face? Just you personally. Uh, me personally, uh, some of the biggest challenges. Uh, on a personal level, um, I am such a yes person that I really, I, I really do want to do everything. And what I've had to step back and do is I've had to consider my family, you know, because uh, I wasn't married. I'd probably run myself to death and be too involved and I never have any free time, um, but having a family makes me more conscious of the families, yeah. of my family, of how not only do I need to be a shepherd to my church, I first and foremost have to be a shepherd to my family. Mm-hmm. And so that challenge has been interesting. And of course, my wife, she's never shy to tell me, hey, over here, and I'm yeah. like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so just making sure that I'm taking the opportunity to be also the shepherd to my children. Um, and that's been a fun, interesting struggle because it's also showed to me the importance of also being the example mm-hmm. that, you know, my children, I don't want to put the pressure, the church kid or the pastor's kid thing on them. But what I want is I want to be the example of how a father is the minister or the pastor of the family, mm-hmm. you know, to teach my daughters, to love them, to guide them, to be that resource for them the same way I would with my kids. Uh, my own teenagers and you know to first exemplify the love and care of Jesus Christ in my home and then take that example from my home and put that into the ministry mm. and not the other way around well and it's easy as a as a minister to get caught up in the in the work of the ministry and uh, set aside those things that uh, especially our time with God and I think this, that we neglect uh, our families because we th- we is so secondary to us sometimes that we forget and we get overwhelmed by all the things we need to do that we set them back. And so you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. our family is our ministry, yeah. and uh, it it actually shows the world you know what uh, our relationship with God is mm-hmm. really about. And, and you know, we we live in a world of, with uh, failing families. Mm-hmm. And so we are examples of uh, what God expects of family. 
And if I could add anything uh, to these ministers, um, what I found to be the best thing is to truly the discipline of turning your phone off. Mm. And I know that's so hard in this generation because it's like, I mean, our phones are becoming our bank. It's yeah. like uh, it's becoming our lifeline. But it, uh, within ministry, especially just getting into the habit of less phone time, more Barbie time. Yeah. You know, it's OK yeah. to get lay down on the floor, phone off and play Barbies. And that's been one of my things now is, you know what, I want more Barbie time. Yeah. And uh, with my wife, it's, you know what, we need a date. Right. And then I need to be the one to make that happen because yeah. I don't need to just say, oh, yeah, I plan a date. And, you know, I'll, right. I'll just show up. It's like be, be intentional. Right. Turn your phone off. Go on that date. Yeah. Love her. Talk about something other than church and kids, you know. Uh, go back to something my wife and I did that I really love and I, I still love doing this is she'll pull up those questions, uh, those kind of like uh, the things you might ask on a first date. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite this? And I love relearning her because she's she's the coolest person ever. And the things that she likes, it's always changing. And I, I don't want to miss it because of the work of the ministry. Yeah. Well, one last question. When you take your uh, youth away in uh, a different setting for a night, a couple of nights, uh, does that make an impact on your youth group or or and the church? I would say it definitely makes an impact on the youth. Uh, being at home or being back in the world is almost like treading water. It's hard. It's work. And even in the midst of ministry, trying to talk to somebody while they're treading water in a pool, you know, they're distracted. They're battling, they're, you know, working, they're tired. Getting away, though, is almost as if you go down into the water and you pull them up. And from that, they have that relief of not having to tread for right now. Yeah. So their attention's not as spaced out. They're not having to think of what they're going to do when they get home or on this and this and this. It really is. You have a schedule that is camp. With that opportunity, um, it gives them a chance just to be here, mm-hmm. not to be so concerned with the stuff of the world or stuff at home or things going on this gives them a place that they can feel safe right and i think that safety um and that busyness with the camp schedule has just given them the opportunity to take these messages more to heart to really practice the disciplines of loving uh their fellow youth to come in closer together now as far as my church goes i'm hoping what i'm hoping this does and you know my church we've got a lot of good praying people that it just brings more people to their knees in prayer Right. Uh, it humbles them knowing that, you know, the things that their teenagers are getting hit by and experiencing, but the, the saving work that's also going on right. in the midst of it. So I'm excited to get back and let them know everything that's happened and just watch them celebrate their teenagers. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I have a privilege to be able to, for us to sit down today and in the middle of Super Summer Camp. And uh, we, we have just had such a great week and seeing uh, kids coming to know Christ and Super Summer is about discipleship and see them growing and, and have desire to grow deeper in Him. So so it's it's a, a neat time that I'll be able to get down, able to sit down and talk to you a little bit more. Hey, I really appreciate you talking with us, especially sharing about your passion for discipleship for youth. But also, uh, you know, I think it's inspiring. It's a reminder to us as pastors of how what a privilege it is that God's given us our spouse. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. and we need to not forget that God sent us the, the perfect person to keep us in line, uh, keep us accountable keep us safe and so i appreciate you coming and sharing yeah, with plus us. it helps that she's just smoking hot yeah oh yeah <laughs> well she'll listen to this podcast i'm sure oh, I hope so. that's why i threw it in there yeah just in case. oh yeah <laughs> that's that's good well thank you for coming to share with us also I'd like to thank our listeners to our uh podcast today we would love to hear from you if you have any questions for cody or what we t- do at tm baptist camps please send us an email at ccinfo at org. 
Until next time, I hope that you'll look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.